Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show. It's our Halloween hangover episode where we're still going to be talking horror as always, but also lamenting the fact that October just left us and we are done with the Halloween season. But fret not, because it's the Mad Monkeys film pick of the week, and we're going to be talking about Prisoners of the Ghostland from just this year. Directed by Sion Sono and star Nicholas Gage and Bill Mosley. How wild can it get? We're going to find out. But Yay. unfortunately, we're not going to be joined by the ghoul uh, for his opinions and his, his side of things because he's, he's got a lot to do, uh, you know, as personal lives do uh, happen. But I am joined by the Mad Monkey, the primitive primate, the Prince of Amor's Day. Yes, get funky with it, Monkey. Yes, keep it a funky, keep it a fresh. This is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Talking Terror Vault. Where that's right, babies, you better take two aspirin and some of the hair of the dog that bitch you because this is a Halloween hangover episode, baby. So that's right, get ready as the Talking Terror crew is going to throw your ass on the slab and be coming in your ears for the next two hours as we bring you horror news, horror reviews, nerd news, and all that other good shit that makes Talking Terror the baddest damn podcast in all of the damn land. So just make sure you listen on Spotify. Make sure you listen on iTunes. Make sure you listen on Blog Talk. You know what? It really doesn't matter because like a bad case of Blue Waffle, we are everywhere, baby. What's up, Fred family? <laughs> Hello. Always bringing it out of the gate, as always, and it's appreciated. And we're also joined by the very astute, the very opinionated, the very kind, Demonic Dean. Woohoo! <laughs> Good evening. Welcome aboard, Dean. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, three of us are here. One is not. But I think we'll make do. Uh, we have cinematic uh, masterpiece to talk about this evening. I, I know our loyal <laughs> listeners are waiting with bated breath uh, for our takes, and I'm sure it will make for for once again riveting discussion. Because that's what we do, baby. <laughs> that is what we do. That's what we bring to the table each and every week, and especially with Prisoners of the Ghost Land. We'll see where the discussion leads us. Uh, but first, uh, before we get into horror news, Monkey, I know you dropped it on the group chat. I didn't have a chance to watch it yet. It's not really my thing. Uh, but uh, Boba Fett's getting his own uh, sitcom on Disney Plus, where it's the wacky adventures of a single dad trying to be a bounty hunter in space. Uh, yeah, man. It's like, you know, after friends broke up and they sit there and did that, you know, then they went ahead and gave Boba Fett his own show. I'm not sure how long it's going to last, you know, because these spinoffs, you know, who knows? But anyway, yeah, dropping December 29th on Disney Plus, the book of Boba Fett, 
My motherfucker is getting his own show. I'm digging it. All right, it's looking like it's going to be some mafia-based kind of shit going on. But either way, you know, we'll get more into it later. Uh, next week, we can get the ghoul's opinion. Either way, I'm just super, super excited. The trailer dropped this week. And again, December 29th, Disney Plus. And we will talk more about it then. But already, watch the trailer. Tons of Easter eggs already in this motherfucker. It, oh, my God, I can't wait. All right, so other than that, okay. Just want to sit there and also bring up, just we're sitting there doing the Halloween hangover, just wanted to ask Dean and the King and all that kind of shit, you know, just to let everybody out there know what we did over the Halloween weekend. So, Dean, did you do anything cool, anything at all for the most sacred of all holidays of the year? Uh, I didn't really do anything cool or special. Uh, traditionally, uh, you know, there's a there's a band out here that's one of our favorites that's like a California institution called Mother Hips, and uh, annually they do a two-night Halloween run at uh, one of our esteemed local venues. Uh, we obviously did not go last year uh, due to COVID, and uh, we debated going this year, but we're just feeling like uh, we're not ready to be indoors in a sold out small venue for live music yet uh the understood uh there's a, there's a street uh not far from uh where we live that uh closes uh down to um car traffic every halloween and they have like a full length street kind of block party where uh you know the most of the houses do all kinds of cool decorations and instead of like kids having to like knock on the door for trick-or-treating like most houses are set up with tables on their driveways and like every few houses like someone is uh you know either DJing or playing music or has like a screen set up in one of the upper windows with like an old horror movie showing so it's like a big family Halloween thing so uh, we just went over there and kind of walked around for a while um, this year. Oh, so old school right. block parties, just Halloween themed. Yeah, 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 yeah kind of, kind of like that. That's, that's awesome, man. <laughs> that is very, very cool. I'm just always excited whenever communities get involved and get together for Halloween. You know, just because again, you know, oh, yeah. this is our big holiday for the year and. I'm just happy to see communities getting involved instead of the whole, oh, let's close down our neighborhood, let's not do anything, and let's go to the trunk or treat thing, because that just pisses mm. me the fuck off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, th- this Halloween, is like I had the king come over. We hung out over the weekend, and we got to check out, you know, I took the king, and we checked out a local haunted house, which, um, or, you know, haunted house setup kind of thing, and I, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, King, did you have fun? I did. It was a, a great little haunted house, uh, you know, that they had there. And uh, you know, for what it was worth, I mean, it's just a couple bucks. You know, you throw in the donation uh, bucket, and then you get to go through. You know, a little bit of a tight squeeze at certain points. You know, but other than that, it was great to see what what uh, you know they had, and then to see your mayor out there, kind of shaking hands, like you know, kind of very. <laughs> Amity Island-esque, you know, type of mayor with that bucket hat he was wearing and just, you know, hey, how you doing? Like, what do you think about Marietta? It's a great job. Like, yeah, that's great. You know, it's cool. Like, you know, that he's actually oh. out and about. And 
you know, much more than my own mayor here in the city, who I, I don't even know what she looks like. I know her name. I don't know what she looks like, though. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and getting to dress up, I, I dressed up like uh, a version of Jimmy from Halloween 2 that I thought a lot of people enjoyed with my big Afro wig and, you know, my jacket, you know, with the Haddonfield patches on it. Uh, I, I definitely enjoyed yours, Monkey, as Hannibal Lecter. Uh, you know, seems like you had a good time, you know, putting that together. Easy, co- like it was just easy laid back costumes for both of us. Like just easy, you know, laid back. We could still dress up. We could still have fun. It's not very intricate. Uh, but I did get to introduce you to WNUF Halloween special. Uh, I was so happy yes! to do so because one of my favorite traditions. <laughs> and, uh, and glad that you vibed with it. I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah, um, for anyone who's not seen this, the WNUF Halloween special, you know, came out in 2013. This is, uh, I, you know, I guess, uh, you know, King, feel free to, you know, correct me on here, but it's just got that television vibe going on of late 80s, early 90s, you know, Halloween special thing of what the local television station would do for you while they're broadcasting on Halloween night. And this movie is just a bunch of, you know, a collection of vignettes, if you will, of just, you know, what's supposed to be local commercials, local broadcasts, and all that. And it all wraps up into a really, really nice story with a a bit of a surprise. And I'm just going to leave it at that. It is definitely, definitely check it out. Yeah. You know, it. it, uh, I think that they did a good job of capturing uh, what it's like watching the local news at like seven, eight o'clock at night, um, and getting ready for this Halloween special at the haunted, uh, the haunted house that they're going to, the haunted Weber house with Frank Stewart, you know, and asking silly questions and having the burgers show up, which is kind of like a play on the Warrens. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it cuts the commercial and it's like, come down to the pumpkin patch, like you know, and, and check this out. And Al's you know, they have house. like the <laughs> oh yeah, Al's Carpet Emporium. You know, you don't have Fatal Spring, and you know, and then the Anvil. The heavy metal show at eleven o'clock at night. Get all your hits. Like you know, I mean, it's just it brings you back to a time and a place. You know that it, it's not around anymore. You know, really, whereas the commercials are kind of hokey and the TV reporting is kind of hokey. They do it, but just not like they did it back in the eighties and nineties. So I think that WNF Halloween special. If you're into all that, I think you'll like it. Yeah, it's it's definitely a piece where if you grew up in the late eighties, early nineties, you know, it's definitely gonna hit those heartstrings of being a kid in that time. It's like it's gonna gonna make you very reminiscent of the time. It it really does a great job of just, you know, if you will, paying a tribute to how television was back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it said it. I know that you watch Trick or Treat every year. That's your tradition, W N U F is mine, you know, but uh it's just it's fun to have those traditions. Like every year, you watch that particular movie on that particular date, and that you know. But I was glad to expose you to it, and I finally got my WNUF hoodie, uh, so that was great. Oh, I got that fi- on November yes, first. Finally. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh, Day they after. were releasing merch for the movie. Yeah, WNUF TV twenty eight hoodies, which had you know the promo on the back, like it looks like a TV guide promo. And I saw it, I fell in love, I wanted it, and yeah, it arrived on November first. So one day shy of Halloween, but still, you know, it's a great hoodie that I find I'm wearing a lot. <laughs> so thanks to Poltergeist and Paramours for that hookup. But, uh, so yeah, that was Halloween in a nutshell, way back, enjoyable, you know, and on to next year and hopefully it's even bigger and better, uh, even though it'll be on Monday you know, next year, which is weird. Um, uh, but yeah, we'll still do it the next, the following weekend. But, uh, 
Anyway, with that being said, Dean, what do you have going on with horror news? What are we talking about tonight? Oh, there are just so many items in the world of horror. Um, I feel like it has well, give it to uh, me, baby. slowed down exponentially given the fact that, uh, excuse me, the Halloween season has just ended. Oh my. But <laughs> I have not had a chance to, to view it yet, uh, but apparently Army of Thieves, the uh, spinoff prequel uh, version to Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, uh, focusing on Safecracker Dieter, apparently is number one Netflix film in 90 different countries uh, since its recent debut. Uh, And not only that, well, I have not had a chance to see it for myself. (laughs) Yes, fucking way. Uh, Not only that, but what I have seen uh, so far is that it, and this is just, you know, a, a, you know, collection of different things I've seen uh, kind of molded into my next statement, but that it is supposedly a highly entertaining, uh, swift-moving film that is uh, beyond more enjoyable than Army of the Dead. So uh, I am curious to see it, and I probably will watch it soon. Uh, you know, this coming on the heels of the news that uh, the next installment of Army of the Dead is going to be titled Planet of the Dead. But Army of Thieves, <laughs> oh, uh, the number one, oh, well, the number one Netflix film in ninety countries. <laughs> uh, you know, like I said, the word is is that that it's it's quite quite a fun ride. So I haven't had a chance to check it yet, but uh, you know, there's a possibility I might be able to do that by. Uh, our next, well, actually, no, by uh, the show after next, because I will say now that I am unable to attend next week's broadcast of the Talking Terror program. Uh, so I will try you to. You going to go see phone. Halloween Kills again? I'm not going <laughs> to see Halloween Kills again. I actually, uh, I've I've seen it like at least four times. Uh, oh, not okay. all in the theater, but I've seen it twice in the theater. Uh, I watched it once on Peacock, and then I put it on on Peacock again in the background while I was doing work, so I was not uh, fully attentive to it. Um, but I, I like it, you know, nitpicks. I will nitpick it all day, but I like it. But anyway, uh, that's not what we should well, talk about. Why do you, right man? We've, we've, we've spent plenty of time uh, talking about Halloween kills. But I will say that huh. just the other day, since the last time I was on the show, uh, my novelization of Halloween Kills arrived. Uh, The novelization of Halloween 2018 was very enjoyable and, you know, just kind of filled in some of uh, the blanks around the film. And I have not had a chance to read Halloween Kills novelization yet, uh, but I'm very much looking forward to doing so. Um, I also uh, received in the mail and I posted a picture for you guys, the the sequel to the Taking Shape book, uh, the one about all of yeah. the Halloween films oh, yeah. that 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 never got made. So I have a question mm-hmm. about that a little bit later on uh, in in this program, but uh, sure. you know, so that's what's kind of going on there. But I do look forward to digging into those books. I just can't decide which one to read first, but I'll get there. Yeah, I, fi- uh, so yeah, I just finished uh, Halloween Kills, so uh, I did the audible version. I did the uh, the audio book. Not bad. It just it, it definitely uh, definitely tries to correct the mistakes. Like, it definitely tries right. to fill in the holes. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll appreciate. Yeah, 
I think you'll appreciate how they, they handled it. That's all I'll say. But, yeah, I, I did the audible. So, as you were. So, I will – yeah, so I'll be looking forward to reading that and taking shape, too. And I have a, I do have a couple of Halloween things to get into a little bit later. Uh, that's what I will ask my question as far as taking shape, too. But uh, right now, I am sure that uh, the King of Horror aware, is aware that this is going down. Uh, because we know uh, how much of a stand he is for Dario Argento. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I have learned that uh, the first image uh, from the first Dario Argento film in 10 years uh, has made its way into the ether. Uh, this film is going to be called Dark Glasses. Uh, again, it's Black the first glasses. film in 10 years. What's that? Oh. Black Glasses. Dark glasses, that's what I said. Black, not dark. Black glasses? Like the color. Yes, like the color. Um, Black glasses. Uh, no offense, right, King, but the article, the article that you put up on the Talking Terror page says dark glasses. No, well, I stand corrected. I was sure that it was black. I guess they changed it again. You know I love you, baby. I made one. Hey, yeah. You know, we all make yeah, mistakes. Yeah, some stand you are. <laughs> well, I actually own the last movie he directed, 2011's Dracula 3D. It's a fucking piece of shit, but I own it because I am a stand for Argento. Yeah. I don't own it. Remember, the king of horror does make mistakes. This is this is the guy who once argued with me uh, right here on this very program about how Psycho 4, the beginning, was not a made-for-showtime film. Uh, but I knew I was right all the way uh, until... Uh, the king finally relented and, 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 and bowed down to my knowledge surrounding that particular film. <laughs> well, that was a uh, that was a nostalgia thing. I completely messed that up because I remember watching it on HBO for some reason. So, But, no, that one I completely agree I messed up on, and I'm fine with that. I can't remember everything. I mean, I'm a drinker. My memory's not that great anymore. You're the, you're the king of heart. <laughs> you're supposed to, 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 to bestow upon yourself the title of king. Uh, the expectation is that you don't make mistakes. Because when people mm-hmm. point out the mistakes of kings, they usually hear words like, off with his head, uh, which is a fitting statement <laughs> for the program that we deliver to our listeners every week. I'm just busting balls. I'm just busting balls, King. I don't even know Dario Trento <laughs> was make, even making a movie. So that, that's, that's, you know, all things being fair. I just read about it today. Yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's a, his return to Giallo, which is going to be interesting. And it's going to incorporate uh, things from Italy and, and things from the Chinese underworld and, uh, you know, prostitute that was attacked by a serial killer and lost her sight, but she continues to work the streets. She meets an orphan Chinese boy, and they, they solve a mystery together. So we'll see. I mean, isn't that the movie that we watched tonight? That sounds like just like the plot of the movie we watched tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite. Not quite as, yeah. you, you sure Dario Gento didn't come back, like, maybe after he, like, he heard David Gordon Gray going, you know, with, with his – or uh, who was it with his tribute to um, Giallo? And he was like, this is my version of Giallo. And I just was like – all right, I gotta put the gloves back on and show this kid how it's really fucking done. You know, your version of a jello. Fuck you. <laughs> put the gloves on. I'm getting him back behind the camera, and I'm gonna show you how this shit really is. <laughs> well, I mean, he tried back in 2012, I think, with Giallo with Adrian Brody. Uh, that movie was pretty bad. <laughs> I think he kind of lost it after the 80s. I think that was his final stand. And, because he hasn't really made a decent one in a while. Dracula 3D, like I said, was uh, abysmal. It's really bad, but 
I'm kind of hoping he, he goes back and he harnesses his old powers of Giallo, like from the 70s. And, and yeah, makes but, a fun yeah but that's what I'm saying, man, is, you know, he's going back into his wheelhouse here. You know, he's not going Dracula 3D. He's going into his wheelhouse. He's going into our, you know, uh, Giallo, you know. So hopefully he'll be able to sit there and get this shit down. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that he's taken enough time off, you know, 10 years since directing his last feature. And, uh, you know, does something good. You know, he's one of the last legends of Jalos that's still alive. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's, it's fun. And I know Azia is going to be in it as well, his daughter. So I'm excited for that because I do like her a lot. I think that, you know, hit or miss, she's a good actress. So stay tuned for more on The Dark Glasses. With that being said. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, 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 I did want to say that Dark Glasses – Dark Glasses is currently in post-production, uh, and they're hopefully oh. readying it for a 2022 release. All right, and fingers crossed that we get a Goblin soundtrack. They're all still alive. They can do it. <laughs> I'm a sucker for Goblin. Can't be a Jello without Goblin. <laughs> okay, so what do you have next? <laughs> all right. So, uh, Hulu has dabbled many times to mixed results in the Stephen King world, and uh, mm-hmm. they are going to they are going to enter into the Stephen King world once again. Uh, the director of Host and Dashcam, Rob Savage, uh, has signed on to direct uh, a version of the Stephen King story, The Boogeyman, uh, as a Hulu exclusive. The script is currently being worked on uh, there is no timetable as far as uh going into actual production uh release date casting or anything like that but uh when there is stephen king news you know that we often share it here uh you know because people are interested in those kinds of things yeah and it the boogeyman like which, it does seem like the stephen king train has slowed down you know, in the over the past couple months, because like you know, like you know, a year ago, everything was pumping out Stephen King, Stephen King, Stephen King, like of the '90s again, man. It seems like the Stephen King train has slowed down just a little bit. Well, they're still adapting his books. They just announced that they were adapting the Institute, which was like four books ago, and that didn't even come out yet. And they're like, we're going to adapt it. So, so yeah, he's still working <laughs> and he's still putting these books. They'll do it. The Boogeyman's an interesting choice because that was one of his short stories that I enjoyed. I think it was off of Night Shift. Uh, and there actually is a free version to watch on YouTube from 1982. Uh, there was a short film made based off the Boogeyman, which is really effective. You know, dark, it's kind of creepy. So if you're looking to get into what the Boogeyman is from 1982, it's there on YouTube to watch for free. Um, and we'll see how it compares to the host's uh, Version. You got directed to the host. Name escapes me at the moment, but we'll see what happens. So moving Thank on. you. We'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right. So, uh, for our loyal audience that has been following our show so closely uh, for the duration, you'll know uh, that once upon Thank a time you, on this very program. <laughs> We were subjected to watching uh, the the children's film Hocus Pocus, and yeah. uh, we have since said that. I have no idea what <laughs> asshole made you, made us do I, that. I, I don't recall who picked that one. 
<laughs> we have we have learned uh, not long ago that uh, Disney Plus had greenlit a sequel, uh, Hocus Pocus 2, featuring uh, the original uh, Sanderson sisters returning to Salem once again. And uh, no! a couple more, a couple more uh, casting and plot details have have been revealed. One uh, actor, uh, Billy Butcherson, is making his return as the lovable Scarecrow Zombie, uh, who is a much beloved character from the first film. And uh, that's the, the loose Miller plot, a bitch. The, uh, the loose plot premise thus far. Uh, is that the Sanderson sisters are out for revenge. And uh, this film takes place 29 years uh, after the events of the first film. And uh, the Sanderson Sanderson sisters are back. I do not know in in what capacity they're able to make their return, but it is going to be up to three high school students to stop their reign of terror. So... One of them must that have been a virgin and lit, lit the damn black candle. <laughs> well, that was Max. Max lit the black candle. Uh, Max yeah. was just <laughs> drawing Grateful Dead and Potleaf pictures in his notebook uh, in the first film. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the Hocus Pocus sequel is shaping up to be uh, a revenge film uh, with the Sanderson sisters seeking out uh, their revenge. So anyway, the first one uh, I know that some movie? of you... I, I couldn't tell you. The first one was <laughs> I don't have any to answers take, about take the first over movie. the town by sucking up the souls of the children and making Halloween night live forever. You know, that's what the first right, one was but about. Weren't, yeah. <laughs> but weren't they killed in the first one and then they came back because the kid, the kid with the black candle, so they came back for the revenge in the first one? And then they got, so they're coming back with double revenge. So yep. it's like revenge on top of revenge. Okay. Okay. Well, hey. Yeah. We're gonna get at least one song and dance number by Bette Midler. Guarantee you. Uh, see, no, don't. Ah, uh, yeah. Hocus Pocus two, double tap. <laughs> Hocus Pocus two, which is Boogaloo. <laughs> oh yeah. The all the birds. Welcome movie. to show up. Oh my God! Turbo <laughs> and Ozone live in this town now. What's up, kids? We gotta save the. You hey, know, hey, save hey, 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 hey! Before you even start to 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 bring those legendary film <laughs> characters um, into the it's conversation, not like they were or anything. Uh, in a in a in a joking <laughs> matter, uh, let's not forget uh, that Ozone Adolfo Quinones uh, did pass away. Uh, from COVID not long ago. So pay your respects. I mean, I'm not so you're, knocking the guy. I mean, it's a fun movie, but I would like to see a community center get saved in Focus Focus too. And Turbo and Ozone <laughs> are the only ones that can do it. Or descendants why, of Turbo and Ozone. But why do you have to redo something that's already been done before? That's my question for Hocus Pocus 2. You're doing exactly. it again just, <laughs> just 25 years later. They're getting their revenge again. So why not do something fun? Incorporate, you know, some popping and locking, a community center, get together. I melt both worlds together. That's what I'm saying. Give me a little bit of everything. Like see Bette Midler, you know, just drop to the floor, do the worm. 
you know, and they're just, you know, repping each other. And I, I was don't able give to her that. ideas. Don't, don't, don't give Bette Midler ideas, man. No, no, stop it. Nick, this in the butt Bette now. Bette like nine years old. She's not going <laughs> to pop and lock or do the worm. She's just going to stand there and whip her, you know, head back and, and sing a song from the Rose soundtrack or something. I don't know. I don't no, really no, remember what no, she no, did. no. We know, we, we know how powerful Disney CGI magic is. They can do anything, man. If they can bring Carrie Fisher back from the grave, they can for sure as fuck make Bette Midler pop and lock, okay? <laughs> I, I'm not doubting it. I just I want something fun. So if we're going to do the same thing all over again, and let's, you know, we don't save community centers enough anymore in movies. I feel like it's gone by the wayside. Like, where are the There's kids going to really play many basketball? Community centers around to save anymore. I I don't know why they went away. Exactly. Like why are why because, are they just gone? Because like, because no one saved them. That's why they're gone. Yeah, that, because there weren't enough break there weren't enough breakdance contests to save community centers. That's why they're all gone. Then that's what I'm going to do. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to build a fucking community center, and it's going to be nothing. But fucking popping and locking and dancing and like you know b boys everywhere and just it's gonna be amazing. People are gonna be like, wow, I miss this. Thank you so much for building one. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, we have to save it because the mayor is trying to shut us down. And then I'm gonna turn my hat around and I'm just gonna be like, what's up? And you're bringing the fat boys back. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring a new fat boys group back and I'm gonna I'm gonna lead it. And I'm going to have somebody do beatboxing, and it's all going to be, you know. Yeah, right. It's going to be exactly like that. And, you know. Hey, I'm Andy, and I'm here to say I just want to do my play. Like, what up, what up, what up? You know, I mean, just bring back really bad 80s rapping, and it's going to be fun. And it's just going to be called the Community Center. And for some reason, there's going to be, like, a thermometer outside that shows how much money we've raised. And people pop lock next to it. That's right. I forgot you gotta have the thermometer. <laughs> you always gotta have the thermometer. Cause you gotta get hot. Like, you know, you gotta get hot. You gotta show that level. You wanna reach ten grand. For some reason, that's the perfect number. Ten grand. That's gonna save the community center. <laughs> you know, I'm all for it. I, that's what I think I'm gonna do. Just you know, what are you gonna do with that lottery money? I'm opening up the community center. I have no idea why, but there needs to be more popping and locking, more basketball. Yeah. More, you know, kids yeah, just hanging out and just crossing their arms. And you have to have the evil white guy that's in charge, like, you know, the evil white guy that's in the government that's trying to stop us from saving the community center. And somehow he has a way to fuck with the money. And at the very last minute, we're like, we've almost lost all of our money. But then somehow at the very, very last minute, something happens. And then we're able to sit there and even double the goal on the thermometer. And then the you know, angry, wealthy white guy has to sit there and cross his arms and walk, you know, storm away angrily because he lost it to the community center. He's got to get back in his limousine and just shake his fist out the window and go, yeah, I'll get you kids. Like, you know, and it's like, no, you're not. What up, man? You know, then we, then we start dancing on top of his car, you know, and just doing all that, pin, you know, cartwheels and everything like that. I mean, it's going to be amazing. I have ideas. I just I have ideas. It's going to work. But anyway, Dean, I did not mean to insult Turbo or Ozone. I do love them. I have a special place in my heart for those poppin' and lockin' dancers. So, I mean, I love both those movies, Breaking and Breaking too. So, all respect to those B-boys. Yeah, you better recognize, man. That's right. Word to your mother. <laughs> all right, so what's next, Dean? So, 
I was not a viewer of the very popular uh, series that was on Showtime, uh, just like <coughs> Cycle 4, <coughs> excuse me. But um, I know a lot of people uh, love Dexter and uh, were, yeah. were very, very, very disappointed in how that series came to a close. And we've talked on this program for quite some time about how there is going to be a Dexter revival. But uh, Michael C. Hall, uh, who plays Dexter, uh, has said that uh, he himself uh, found the ending to the original uh, series to be unsatisfying. He says that Mm. he didn't like the finale, uh, he said he completely understands uh, why it would have been infuriating to fans. Uh, he said he did understand the choice for the character, uh, but that it was pretty unsatisfying. So I don't know how it ended. I loosely have a vague idea about what the show is about, uh, but I know that uh, people were not happy at all. And as uh, it's been said here before on Talking Terror, uh, hopefully they will right the wrongs of the past. Uh, with the Dexter revival uh, that should be getting started at, at, at any time. I'm not sure when it starts or if it actually started. Um, Sunday. Oh, so it is it's so timely. Uh, we're just a few short days away from the Dexter revival, everybody. Uh, so uh, you will now get to find out if uh, your disappointments will be squashed and you can return to happiness with how you feel about Dexter. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And that was a pretty unforgivable way to end that series that started off strong and then ended really fucking badly. But, yeah, Michael C. Hall definitely wasn't a fan of it either. But, you know, I, I wonder how they're going to do it, you know, and how they're going to right the wrongs and just make it a fun couple episodes. But I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it starts Sunday, uh, November 7th on Showtime. So stay tuned for that. Oh, on Showtime. Okay. Yeah. Yep, on Showtime. That's where the show started. That's where it's going to pick up with New Blood. So I'm looking forward to seeing Clancy Brown play the villain. Yes, like, just like the ghoul and I always say, he could do no wrong. Goddamn Clancy, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown is fucking awesome. He fucking rules. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, but, yeah, so that's uh, Dexter on Sunday. All right, what's next, Dean? And I – well, I just – hold on, hold on. Uh, okay. I do want sure. to say, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure – that uh, the ghoul uh, has never actually got around uh, to checking it out, even though I speak so profusely about it. Uh, I wanted to bring this up because anytime a cast member from this film uh, gets brought up, uh, I feel the need to to pump its tires because I just think it's a fucking masterwork. Uh, But uh, Clancy Brown uh, played the character of Viking Lofgren uh, in the 1983 uh, Sean Penn masterpiece Bad Boys. Uh, taking yeah, place in a uh, juvenile uh, delinquent penitentiary, um, a fucking outstanding uh, early 80s film, uh, brutal uh, for its time, and uh, Clancy Brown, uh, one of the uh, primary protagonists, I'm sorry, antagonists uh, in this film. So uh, that was my first experience to Clancy Brown, and even before I knew what Clancy Brown's name was, because uh, I saw Bad Boys at like a very uh, young age for that film on the Channel 6 uh, million dollar movie, where I think they called it the $6 million movie because it was Channel 6 uh, that they would show late night. 
but anytime mm-hmm. I saw that guy in something else, I'd be like, oh, my God, that's the guy from Bad Boys. Uh, so I just had to say that because uh, <laughs> I will say that on this time anytime Clancy Brown or anybody else uh, gets mentioned on our show. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen it, good. but that movie fucking kills. Oh, yeah. One of my favorites that he was in. It's just, it's so underrated. But, yeah, Monkey, if you've never seen Bad Boys, like not, not Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, but, you know, the good one. <laughs> I'll say, yeah, watch that movie. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm, draw, I'm drawing a total blank here. Uh, yeah, so, therefore, I am definitely taking note here to <laughs> download that so I can check it out. Mm-hmm. And enjoy. All right, yeah, so... I know that always has to get mentioned when we bring up Clancy Brown, so and I'm happy about that. But all right, moving on. What else have we got, Dean? Uh, let's see. What else do we have, King? Uh, Ginger mm. Snaps, uh, a, mm. a film that I uh, am personally a, a big fan of, but I also like werewolf shit. Uh, oh my god, I have so many burps tonight. I apologize. From yeah. the producers it, of it, the, it's all that crack the, bear that you're drinking. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking a fine uh, Waster Stout at this moment But anyway, we're not here to talk about that What we're here to talk about is how The producers of the AMC hit series Killing Eve Have announced uh, That they are Currently working on a TV series uh, Based on the Ginger Snaps film trilogy Hmm Now Okay these producers, uh, and I should have written down their names, but I didn't because I was rushing earlier today. <laughs> but uh, they, you know, that's the truth. Um, I don't know if this is attached to AMC, uh, where their current property is, but uh, there also is not much information uh, about the film thus far, I'm the, excuse me, about the series thus far, uh, as far as casting, if any original cast members will be involved, uh, plot synopsis. Uh, premise if this is just going to be a retelling in a series form uh, there is no release date or anything like that but uh, they said that they are currently working on developing uh, a TV series uh, based on the the film trilogy of Ginger Snaps uh, I believe that we have covered Ginger Snaps on this, this show long ago long long ago yeah. um, mm-hmm. uh, but I know that uh, I had stumbled upon that film a long time ago uh, at night by myself one night and uh, started watching it and, and totally dug it. So, um, you know, I, that doesn't mean that I would ever even like watch a TV series about it, but I just wanted to share the news because I have affection for Ginger Snap. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm also a fan of, of at least the first two. The third one, not so much because it was more of a prequel. Uh, but yeah, for my money, Ginger Snaps, that first movie is just, it's perfect. Um, Catherine Isabel and Emily Perkins playing sisters and, and, very effective, very dark, very brooding, as we covered on the show. But uh, I don't know if you can replicate that, especially in a series that wants to do all three. Um, you know, if you could really replicate what magic they created together, you know, for all three movies. But we'll see. You know, I've, I've been surprised before by a series, so we'll see more in the future. And plus, you know, werewolves, maybe it's time for them to make a comeback. Vampires are coming around, no. too. No, so. yeah. No, it's no. Right now, it's vampires, man. We got to get the vampires their turn. Then the werewolves can have their turn. All right. It's it, like we, because again, we got to sit there and go through the whole '90s thing, you know. Because again, interviews the vampire. It's coming up there. We have True Blood coming around, you know. So we're gonna have this weird ass mix of a whole bunch of different kinds of vampires from different decades all showing up at the same time. <laughs> Should be fun. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would give it like a good two or three years, and then all of a sudden you're going to see yep. a transfer. <laughs> but there's going to be yeah. Then, then, some, then we yeah, then we go some. to werewolves. <laughs> yeah, but you're still going to get a sprinkling. Like you're not going to get a, a full on uh, revival of werewolf movies, but you're going to get uh, some in there. Like they they can never well, fully go away. Like you always have to have some kind of a werewolf yeah. movie thrown in there. Just to keep it fresh. Four years just to from keep now. Oh, yeah. Four years from now, we're going to have it. We'll, we, we will have a new American Werewolf movie. Just watch. <laughs> oh, I hope not. Well, hasn't, yeah. hasn't, hasn't, uh, hasn't John Landis' son uh, said that he wants to make his own version of it? Yeah, but he ran into some trouble. Oh, that's and, right. I totally Oh, yeah. Uh, how silly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he kind of got himself into... A little bit of a pickle, you know. So I don't know if uh, I really don't know if we're going to see anything from Max Landis for a very long time because he, uh, yeah, I think he, he's still going through his, his lawsuits that are being thrown at him of, of sexual and emotional abuse by eight different women, and this was back in right. 2019. Wow! So I, no, I know, I know, I know. I just, I, 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 I forgot. Yeah, uh, no, I did too, trust me. But as soon as you said it, I was like, oh yeah, that's why we're not going to get an American Werewolf in London movie. Just <laughs> Max Landis kind of kind of fucked himself over a little bit, literally. And you know, so. can I just, uh, for the briefest of moments, just say how much I so enjoy American Werewolf in London? Uh, it has mm-hmm. been uh, shown as of late numerous times on, uh, I can't remember what channel, but uh, it was like being shown regularly. Like there was a, a like a three-week span where uh, pretty much any time I turn on the TV, uh, which is not often, but uh, regularly enough that I caught uh, – well, I did watch it once from start to finish and then, you know, caught different chunks of it at different times because it was, like, it was on a regular rotation uh, of whatever network it was, and I don't remember which one. But, man, I just I just love that movie so much. It's so fucking great. It's, yeah, it's it's funny, it's scary, it's, you know, sad in some parts. I mean, John Landis did such a great job, and then American Werewolf in Paris came around, and it's like, wow, this is not even the same type of movie anymore. No, and, and aside from all of that, like, the, the main wolf fucking transformation scene is just a fucking marvel of fucking movie making. I mean, oh. let's not forget, oh, like, yeah. the movie itself, the movie itself is, it's funny, and it's scary, and, like, there's just, like, a whole lot of stuff going on. Uh, some of it is hilarious and unintentionally hilarious and yeah. suspenseful. It's got so much going for it, but that fucking transformation scene is like the fucking pinnacle of its era, uh, you know, with its special effects. So let's not forget that. Oh, fuck like, yeah, man. Oh, that's just absolutely. fucking yeah, incredible absolutely. fucking movie making. Like when they talk about the magic even, of the yeah. fucking movies, like there you go. And not even just the, the werewolf transformation, but the fact that Jack becomes a zombie throughout the movie and just gets worse and worse and worse oh. throughout the movie, you know, telling his Damn. friend to kill himself. Like, David, you have to kill yourself. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, what's wrong with you? <laughs> You're melting. Like, it's just such yeah. a great effect. Yeah. 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 Yeah, his effects, man, just, you know, that fucking neck piece. That fucking neck oh, yeah. piece. You know what I'm talking about. That fucking dangly piece that distracts you from everything. It's just, yeah, perfect. <laughs> and then by the end, he's nearly skeletal. It just—it's perfect. I mean, I would—I yeah. would say the werewolf transformations in that movie rival the Company of Wolves, which came out in 1984. And the only reason I say that is because you actually had dog mouths coming out of a human's mouth. 
which blew me the fuck away when I first saw it. Cause I was like, it's not even a very good movie, but the werewolf transformations are just worth checking out. Angela Lansbury is really good in it. But yeah, if you've never seen the company of wolves, uh, it's a Gothic uh, movie, but the werewolf transformations, when you just see that wolf mouth come out of another guy's mouth, holy shit. <laughs> they are, they are trying to one up each other, you know, in these werewolf transformations. I've never even heard of that movie. That's awesome, man. Thank you. I, because you know how I am about effects, man. So I will definitely have to check oh, that one out. Oh, Wolves, yeah. Thanks, King. Yeah, 84, check it out. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, if, that one doesn't really get played a lot. That's one you have to kind of search for because it's kind of under I, – I think it's underrated, but it's one that not a lot of people remember. Um, but I always did. I always thought it was kind of creepy when I saw it as a kid. So, yeah, if you have a chance to check it out, The Company of Wolves from 1984. Sweet. Thanks, man. No problem. All right, Dean, so what's next? Yes. So, uh, what's next is the uh, the one thing here that I know uh, that the king is probably beyond exciting about, and I'm sure, and I don't know as a fact because I haven't seen it, but I'm sure that he already has this on the Talking Terror Facebook page, but the fact that a lost copy of George Romero's 1977 film Martin, uh, the director's cut, has uh, been found. Uh, mm. We know that the theatrical release was 95 minutes, and supposedly this version that was found runs an astounding 210 minutes, uh, thought to be lost forever, oh. uh, but it, it has been unearthed. Um, the, currently, uh, the original theatrical film is getting a 4K uh, restoration for an early 2022 release, and uh, there are high hopes for this director's cut uh, to get into the custody of Richard Rubenstein and Braddock Associates so it can be uh, digitally revitalized and hopefully then distributed around the world. So uh, we'll see what happens there, but I would imagine very excited about this news. Oh, yeah. I, I put it in our group chat before I even put it on the uh, Talking Terror page because I was just astounded. Three and a half hour black and white cut of Martin that was found by uh, Michael Gornick, who is a director of Creepshow 2, and he also did the DP work on Dawn of the Dead. So he's worked with George a lot. So for him to find this and actually want to uh, do something with it is great. I mean, I would definitely buy a copy as soon as it becomes available. Because just got to see what, what – really George is going for to make it three and a half hours. Like he must have been on to something. Could be nothing. Could be something. But I'm just looking forward to it. Anything George Romero related to um, for? Uh any news King about uh that uh while you know you were looking into this, any idea how possibly maybe they found this or it came to light? Uh it's just that Michael Gornick apparently is just looking through boxes. Um, and going through some things that were related to Romero, and he just happened to just stumble across the print. Um, that was just the Martin three-and-a-half-hour black-and-white cut, um, which, like the, the Dean had just said, was whittled down to like a 95-minute feature. Uh, this was like the full-length director's cut, um, and just kind of stumbled upon it, because George, in his home and, and his offices, he had stuff everywhere, you know, in boxes and on shelves, and, and you know, that's why people keep finding scripts, that he just never did anything with. He wrote it and put it away, you know, because he couldn't stop writing. He couldn't stop making it happen, you know, all these ideas. But uh, that's how this one's found. 
you know, just kind of, you know, a great kind of discovery that you wouldn't think to find. But George is still surprising us, even though he's gone. So I'm looking forward to anything. Really. That's how the amusement park got found, you know, and that got put on shutter. I mean, that's, you know, so he just, they find stuff and, and it's amazing. You know, it's like, that's awesome, man. Even bigger legacy after he passed. And we get nothing but movies and, and scripts. <laughs> that is so fucking cool. That they're, they're, we're still finding new works by him, man. That is so awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're always finding something new. And they're putting it in the museum in Pittsburgh. But, yeah, this one just happened to just be found. So rather than just stick it in the museum, they actually want to do something with it. And I can't wait. So, well, stay tuned for more details as far as a hopeful release or a screening or something. But um, I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, anything George Romero related, I am all ears and ready for it. So, all right. So what else do you have, Dean? Uh, the final thing, well, the final couple of things I want to talk about all uh, yeah. have to do with the uh, Halloween universe. Uh, first, sure. uh, I'd like to quickly uh, run down what a couple of experts, and, I, and we can do this very fast. We don't have to uh, dis- discuss each of these things uh, at length, uh, but uh, some experts have uh, have put out a list of what the 11 uh, scariest scenes in the entire Halloween franchise are, and I'd like to run those down if you would so allow me the pleasure. Um, yeah, do it. So uh, first, uh, well, this is this, this is not in, in any particular order, but uh, from the original film, uh, just the gravity of the scene where uh, Loomis gives his speech describing Michael Myers and his experience with Michael Myers. Monologue. Uh, next. <laughs> next. Uh, comes in from uh, the second film, Halloween 2, uh, Michael Myers uh, at the neighbor's house uh, and his interactions with uh, the character of Alice. Uh, they labeled this as the the scariest film, uh, the scariest moment in that particular film uh, with that sequence actually having been directed by John Carpenter. And, That's right. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Halloween 2, they talked about, and I don't know if I agree with this one, but they just talked about in general uh, the mask in Halloween 2, uh, you know, it appearing to be, that it was the same mask from the first film, uh, and now more, mm. like, weathered and dirty from Michael's experiences, but the weird thing is that, like, it's kind of stretched because the actor, uh, you know, it didn't fit the actor playing Michael the same as it fit the actor no. playing Michael in the first film, so a little bit weird. Um, uh, then they they brought in uh, a scene from Halloween 3 when uh, the pumpkin mask uh, kills a young Billy. Uh, oh, yeah. So awesome. uh, there's some Halloween 3 love. Uh, a sequence that I particularly like from Halloween uh, 2018, the motion sensor scene when Oscar uh, meets his maker. Uh, just, uh, yeah. you know, kind of bringing Michael into the modern world with this kind of sensor and given, you know, Michael's ability to move so slowly and silently, uh, just not knowing where he was going to be each time that light turned on, I felt that made for a pretty cool sequence. Um, I agree, yeah. They referenced the bathroom sequence in H2O, uh, where mom and daughter stop at the bathroom uh, rest stop uh, while mom waits for uh, her daughter to use the toilet and sees... Michael through the cracks in the bathroom, and then Michael leaves uh, with the vehicle. Mm. Uh, so that scene. Um, then also uh, the 
uh, from Halloween 2018, kind of tributes to the opening sequence from the original film, uh, the long single take uh, when Michael hits the streets of Haddonfield and uh, has yeah. some run-ins with locals and, and, and makes some kills, which was done in one long take. Um, and That was a good take. The, was yeah, that? I agree. Yes. Also, the original the original film uh, when uh, Michael Myers uh, is revealed to be just a child after the opening sequence of the original film. Uh, also, uh, from the original film, just the stalking sequences early on, showing up in the sheets and outside the school and by the hedges. Uh, you know, when you see the car yeah. uh, go past uh, outside the drugstore, uh, and then finally. Uh, the just the the final sequence uh, of the original film, starting uh, when Laurie goes across the street to Lindsay Wallace's house, uh, discovers the bodies, gets chased back, like just that whole final sequence. Uh, Michael oh, sitting up in the background and so on. So oh, I don't want to run those shot. down. Um, that's, yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic shot. I mean, that sequence. Look, shit like that has been done to death a billion times over, <laughs> and that's one of the things that you know. Granted, I had seen other horror films before I'd seen Halloween, but not 25,000 horror films in the 40 years since that movie came out. So uh, there there was not much like that. So that sequence where he sits up in the background, uh, you know, just so impactful. And I love it so very much. I watched the original Halloween uh, like several times this this recent season. Oh, absolutely. uh, I did too. Yeah, that's a fantastic shot. So just a little bit other horror uh, Halloween stuff uh, real quick. Uh, Halloween Kills is closing in on $100 million at the global box office. Uh, uh, Peacock has said that uh, by far uh, it, Halloween Kills was the number one uh, non-live premiere uh, in Peacock's short history because you know, it was not a live broadcast of any kind. But, uh, so the number one premiere for something that was not a live broadcast – uh, in Peacock's history. I know that uh, Peacock that, has said that, that Halloween awesome. has done uh, brisk, brisk, brisk business for its streaming service. And then also related, sort of related to the current Halloween franchise. Uh, by the current, I obviously are referring to David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. Uh, but Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis has announced uh, that she would love uh, the opportunity to be the voice of the devil in the upcoming David Gordon Green Exorcist trilogy. Um, so, who knows if that will actually uh, take place? Uh, but uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has uh, thrown her interest into the wind, and we'll see what happens. And then uh, that was the last thing. But really quick, I have a question. Uh, we had uh, talked about um, the Taking Shape uh, Volume Two before, uh, which as I said, is about all of the Halloween films uh, that never got made. And uh, what? And King, you have read this book, correct? I have, yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, we're talking about things that never happened. So uh, I don't see how uh, spoilers apply here. But what I did want to ask is, do they talk? Because I haven't heard about this one before. Uh, but have they talked about a version uh, that was supposed to come after H two O? And I, I can't. I, I had it uh, in front of me somewhere, and now I can't find it. 
Uh, but was there talk in that one about a film that was supposed to come after H2O that uh, Michael Myers uh, was back and then uh, there was going to be a big reveal uh, in that film uh, showing how uh, Laurie Strode uh, on the heels of H2O had become uh, Michael Myers? Yes, that is absolutely correct. That was the direction that they were going to go into with Halloween 8. Um, you know, they were just calling it Halloween 8 at the time, but yeah, it was supposed to be the reveal at the end. They pull off the mask, and it's Laurie Strode. And she is completely snapped. And that Michael, yes, in fact, has been said, dead the entire time. They had said, even if you. See, that would have been cool, man. End, yeah, it would have been tits. I would have loved it. Um, yeah, so they said, even at the end of H2O, uh, after she swings the axe uh, and uh, appears to be curtains for Michael Myers. Uh, like the way that she's standing there, like heavily breathing, is like yeah, reminiscent that was big, yeah. of Michael Myers, uh, hev- like hev- like heavily breathing. So, um, so I just was curious if that's in that book. I don't care. Like it's not, you know. Like, well, that yeah, that was anyway. supposed to be the tease. That was supposed to be like that weird tease of like, oh, all of a sudden she's breathing heavy. You know, she's doing the Michael Myers breath. You know, so what are we gonna do with with Halloween eight? And it just it, it didn't turn out the way that it did, and we got resurrection instead. Which oh, how lucky I think, are we? So lucky. I mean, that movie Man, just that been an hour and a half of Michael movie. stalking that hospital and trying to kill Laurie, and I would have been happy. <laughs> it's a perfect setting. It's a perfect way to introduce like the new character of the one that has all the knowledge about serial killers, Harold. You know, but they decided that uh, Mustafa Khan was like, yes, Buster Rhymes and, and, and video cameras and, like, you know, let's do it. Like, no. All right. So, yeah, you can just shut it up after ah. you killed and be fine. I mean, it's a quick 15-minute movie. <laughs> you know, Lori gets it, falls in the trees, all right, turning it off. And then you don't have to watch the rest. <laughs> oh, you need to know. But, yeah, so... I mean, the, the, did you get to the part with Quentin Tarantino where he had his idea for Halloween? I don't – no, I haven't started reading the book yet, if that's in the book. so. Oh, okay. Uh, wait until you get to that part. I had just seen, I had just seen a, a, a little thing about that particular idea uh, recently today. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 Quentin Tarantino working on a, a Michael Myers movie, it just, it's insane, and the idea is insane, so I'm looking forward to when you get there and seeing if you think so because, I, I, you know – I was like, I kind of want to see it, but just because it's Tarantino and, and it's going to be a Tarantino movie. So, but all right. So, <laughs> so is that it for horror news? Do you have anything else or are we going to get into the movie? That is what I got. All right. Well, Martin, all right. Uh, this is your Thank pick you. this week, Prisoners of the Ghost Land. So take us away into Samurai Town. Hi, fucking guy. Yeah. All right. Excuse me. This is the story of an unwilling hero on a reluctant quest in the land of the damned. Trapped in a special, super sexy leather suit, armed with explosives, he must rescue a young lady from the scavengers who kidnapped her. Prophesied to bring time and water back to the forgotten children of a forgotten land, our hero must confront the spirit of ghost land and the ghosts of his own past. <laughs> All right, yeah. All right. 
So that's the breakdown of this movie, in my opinion. All right. First of all, yeah. seriously, I just want to I, I like just want to apologize for this week's pick, um, just because since this is yet another uh, Cage film that was done through XYZ, I was expecting a more gory film like Mandy or Mom and Dead. This film is more of a 90s PG-13 action film, you know, with serious, serious nods to, you know, obviously the escape films. Um, and I don't, like, and in my opinion, this doesn't quite fall into horror, and I'm not sure if it even falls into horror adjacent. Again, you know, I went into this blind, and I was really hoping this was going to go more into that territory, and it does not. You know, so... You know, I'm apologizing ahead of time, and I was expecting something, and I didn't quite get that. Okay? So, with all of that being said, you know, this film is still a fun little dystopian drama. I really enjoyed the visuals and the sets that they were trying to achieve with the budget that they had. Um, But I'm not sure how I feel about a film where we will expect – now, fuck that. We require a rating age. But this film – Deliberately writes in a plot device denying us a rage cage. So I guess mm-hmm. we'll see how I feel about this as we discuss this more. All right, and that's how I feel okay. about this film. All right, so Dean, what did you think about Prisoners of the Ghostland? So, Monkey, out of curiosity, uh, when was the last time you picked a horror film for our horror movie podcast? <laughs> focus, focus. focus. <laughs> yeah, two years ago. So anyway, uh, I had not heard of this film <laughs> and uh, before uh, I asked what the film was for this week. Uh, I see that it's from I've seen that it's that it's from 2021 uh, when I looked it up and that there like I was able to rent it through uh, Amazon just through their early access program. But uh, ah, what um, what an interesting path. Uh, Nicolas Cage has traveled from one who uh, used to be uh, in films nominated for Academy Awards and even has had some nominations for himself. Uh, what a yeah, strange I know, right? path. I do know <laughs> that uh, he has like blown like pretty much all of his money and I'm sure, you know, like just, just taking paycheck job after paycheck job. But anyway, uh, what a confusing mishmash uh, of so many different ideas here, um, elements of, you know, Asian cinema, Wild West cinema, a, a ghost story, um, a bizarre, uh, you know, a bizarre uh, kaleidoscope uh, setting where you're not sure uh, what era that things are taking place in, uh, you know, a, a just, just, just strange. I feel that this film, uh, you know, was like a whole lot of ideas that were you know, kind of thrown at the wall and then all kind of made it into the film. And then to top it all off, they were like, why don't we get Nicolas Cage? Um, he'll probably say yes. Uh, so interesting concept. Like I just, every couple of minutes, I, I was just like, oh, that's like this, and that's like that, and that's like this, and like just saw so many different influences uh, flowing out over the screen. So, uh, and then I was also like, this isn't really a horror movie, but that's fine because we've you know covered things like that before. I'm not I'm not really upset about that part at all. Uh, but um, 
I just found it to be confusing, and uh, I felt that things just took a while to get going. Like, it's a short movie, but it just felt it just felt longer than it was to me. Um, like, I thought some of the parts were entertaining, but I just feel overall it was just kind of confusing. Okay. All right, thank you, Dean. Uh, King, what did you think of this movie, man? Uh, yeah, when the, the trailer first came out, I was excited for it, and I watched it, and uh, it's my second viewing. Uh, and I enjoyed this movie. Uh, my problem is similar to, to what you guys had problems with. Um, I think that the editing was off in a lot of it, where they jumped around a little bit too much, where I was like, well, is this out of sequence? Like, are we here now, or are we back? Like, flash forward, flash back type of thing. Um, but, yeah, horror-adjacent. Yeah, I would say so, because it deals with ghosts and mutants and people living out, you know, in the wild. Kind of like Mad Max uh, size, you know, type of a film. Uh, Escape, like we had talked about, Escape from New York. Um, kind of like a mismatch of styles, like Kurosawa, then all of a sudden it's Quentin Tarantino, then all of a sudden it's David Lynch. So it's like all these different kind of styles. Um, yeah, Cage doesn't really rage, you know, in this movie much, which is a disappointment. I mean, the scenes that he does are entertaining. It's fun watching him mess with the people in the beginning of the movie and do his little Elvis Presley meets Bruce Lee kind of fucking body <laughs> style. You know, where he's like, you know, leaning into him and he's like, thank you very much. Like, you know, I was like, oh, I could have pulled one of those out, you know, but, um, you know, it was just entertaining to, to see how they handled the, the suit. Um, and Bill Mosley, fucking excellent as the governor. Like, for me, he was more oh. of a highlight in this movie than Nicolas Cage. He stole the fucking movie. Yeah. He didn't see his ball. It's it's amazing uh, just the the fact that they were able to pull that off and and get Bill Mosley to do a performance where it's like shades of Otis from the Rob Zombie movies, but then just Bill Mosley being Bill Mosley, you know, just with a bunch of sex slaves. And he's just granddad to all of them. (laughs) You know, know, (laughs) Susie Chong was another great character that I liked just because she was so fucking off the wall. Um, but yeah, it's the fact that you're you're melding Japanese culture, both modern and and postmodern, into like the American West, and that's obviously the the governor Bill Mosley's character is the one that did that. So he builds this whole town where there's a ton of sex slaves, you know, but there's also cowboys, you know, that are Japanese and also American, you know, cowboys that also speak Japanese. So it's a mismatch of things, but. I mean, Nicolas Cage, he does get the rage a little bit in this movie, like, especially when the opening bank sequence where he's like, Banzai! And, like, fucking running in and just, you know, come on! And everybody else, I was like, all right. So we're getting it early. Getting and what the fuck was, why was Velma there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> and, and the biggest fucking gumballs I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I was like, I've never seen gumballs this size before. And he's like, try one, it's delicious. This little kid, like, oh, it's so sweet. And then... Having Psycho played by Nick Cassavetes, I was like, that's a chef's kiss right there. I fucking love Nick Cassavetes. He's a great actor and also director. Um, he's done a lot of, like, weird romance movies that it's kind of off-type for him because he's more of, like, a biker badass. But he did The Notebook. So that's, a, you know, that's one of the movies he directed. But here as, as oh, Psycho. Fuck. okay. You know, gunning... <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that's Nick Cassavetes. Uh, you know, gunning down a little kid and, you know, ticking it off. But... Again, you know, it's one of these weird movies where it's just Nicolas Cage paycheck, but at the same time, I'm having fun. I mean, he, he did Pig this year, and he also did Willie's Wonderland, and two movies that are totally different, and this one's different, too. Um, but 
Monkey, like you said, I love the vibe that they set up to begin with when he's being let out of the prison and he's meeting the governor for the first time. You have all these women standing around and he's in, you know, little sumo underwear and handcuffed and they're all kind of laughing at him, you know, and, and joking around. Show us your balls! You get the, <laughs> you, get the, you get the governor, you know, saying that my granddaughter Bernice escaped uh, and I have to find her and, you know, this is how we're going to hook it up, John Carpenter style. He's like, I always had a thing for a black leather. Like, you know, I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, and yeah. it's also hooked up, so there's explosives all over you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hooked up to explosives. And, yeah, if you sit there and do not sit there and meet our timeline, shit will explode. If you sit there and meet my granddaughter and you just happen to get possibly excited, shit would explode because hey, we happen to have two explosive devices, one on each testicle, which will explode <laughs> if you happen to get too excited. So bear in mind, I want my granddaughter returned to me in a proper state. You understand what I am saying? Uh, you know, it's like, again, you know, he was just fucking knocking this shit out of the fucking park. You know, it's like, oh. you know, a, a, every everything that he was in was fucking golden. Like, seriously, it was like, this was Bill Mosley's movie, man. It really was. <laughs> like, and especially when you have uh, uh, Hero is his name. Nicholas Cage's name in this movie is Hero. Um, when he whips off the fucking sumo underwear... And that girl in the audience is drawing his picture quickly starts erasing, you know, the, you know, the cop area. <laughs> now it's being presented to any other one girl going, that's oh, she better. But it's the fact that as he's suiting up, all of a sudden you have Susie Chan in the, the limo freaking out with her robot and just, you know, laughing and just smacking herself around and then singing this song about an old man dying. And then everybody just fucking joins in and they're just tick tock tick. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? I, I like this. I don't know why. But it's just fun. And then Bill Mosley joins in, and he's singing along, too, as, as we watch him finally get dressed and get explained all the gear. Like, he has the, the uh, thing on his wrist where he's given three days to find Bernice, and she has yeah. to say her name into the microphone, and then he's given an additional couple days. But if he's unable to do it after the end of the, the extra days, he's going to blow up. So Speak into the, the microphone, squid brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's so that's his fallout. Yeah. That's his fallout pit boy. That's what that is, man. His pit boy, yeah. <laughs> that's his pit boy. That's what I took it as. <laughs> yeah, his little pit boy, and you know, it, it, and all these little pink uh, lights on it, which uh, indicate the explosives. They give him the keys to the car, and they're like, "Go ahead, go out into there and find her." He gets in, but then immediately stops, runs out of the car, grabs the nearest bicycle, and bikes off into yep. the, you know the desert. And I love the one cowboy. He's just like. Oh man, what a badass! So cool. <laughs> and you see him biking away on this little girl's bike, you know, out into you yeah. know, the desert to go find Bernice. And mission yeah. starts, but he's later uh, yeah. met by Yasujiro, who's just like, "Yeah, take the fucking car, dude." Like time is of the essence. Yeah, yeah. Take the 2005 Toyota Celica. Because that's what <laughs> I, I do. Mean, if you're gonna get there, you're gonna get there. <laughs> you know. But it, it's just it's. Yasujiro is another character that we'll get into that I really liked because he did bring that old school Japanese samurai aesthetic and he's quick with the fucking blade. You know, it's amazing to see when he gets into it with that blade, like what he can do. Like, obviously, he is the fucking bodyguard. 
Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> That's what he fucking does in this thing. But, yeah, it's just, again, you know, him trying to sit there and fight, you know, like he's just said, you know, Nicholas Cage, just straight up trying to fight the system and all that kind of stuff. But the thing is, we never got into all this, you know, is, you know, the reason he's in this situation is because, you know, at the very beginning of the movie, you know, he robs a bank, you know, in a samurai, samurai town. And... <clears throat> Things go badly during this bank robbery, and a, several tellers are lost, and along with that, a little boy is lost. You know, things go bad, and sh- things go to shit, and his partner just starts blowing fucking everybody up. And he is oh, locked up for quite a while, and that's why he's pulled out of lockdown, is to save the governor's quote-unquote granddaughter, Okay. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. why, you know, he's here in this situation is, you know, because he's the baddest, you know, motherfucker that Samurai Town has ever fucking seen. And if someone needs to go into the fucking nasty ass lands, the ghost land, this is going to be the motherfucker you need to do it. Yeah, because he, he will get it done. And um, it's interesting once he gets that car from Yatsujiro and he goes into, you know, further into the ghost land when he encounters that transport bus and then just a line of, of samurais. And it's like they're blocking the entrance, but he decides, fuck it, I don't have time. I'm going to gun this engine and go. And then we find out what happens is that he crashes and he's being led in to Ghostland, you know, on a cart. And next to him is one of the girls that escaped with Bernice, and she's also lost in Ghostland as well as, as Bernice. So this is a girl that's just like, oh, I, you know, I escaped with her, but I don't know where she is. And, and it's just when they're all touching, he's like, don't fucking touch me. Don't fucking touch me. Like, <laughs> it's I was like, yeah, same dude. Same <laughs> but but, but you, just, you meet these weird characters like Enoch, who's very religious, and, uh, you know, just you can't escape Ghostland. We're here. Like, we're banished from Samurai Town. We live in this place now. We have no place else to go. You have a bunch of men pulling a clock, you know, arm, because if time goes forward, they're all going to die. So they have to constantly, every day, keep that clock from moving. You know, it, interesting concept that I did like, um, but it's just seeing throughout this wasteland, there's also mannequins that are people inside that are being hidden. And this is where we meet Bernice because she is one of the mannequins. And she has lost the ability to speak after being stuck in the, the ghost land for as long as she has. Yeah, and that's the weird thing is like, you know, you you have these three realms, if you will. Will um, mm-hmm. you have Samurai Town? Okay, and then you have the the ghosts that are sitting there wandering around as the barrier between the ghost land and Samurai Town. You know, and and then you have the actual ghost land, and you have these three different worlds in there. And the cool thing is, like this movie, it's like you know, even though. The, each world was literally shot in one tiny, tiny little spot, you know, and each world is really, really pretty in its own particular odd little way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I really enjoyed the the little worlds that they sit there and put into this film. So, you know, and it gave me enough to where I wanted more of each of the worlds. I wanted more backstory. Yeah. You know, I wanted more, more world building around each of these little things, you know. Granted, they're trying to do what they can, and they're, you know, being weird as hell, you know. But they gave you enough to where I really, really wanted more of their stories than what we were given. And I give, you know, so I give a serious nod to uh, Sono for, you know, creating these little worlds in in this movie. 
and making me want more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he did a great job and they do kind of explain a little bit, but yeah, again, I wanted more too. Like you get a little bit of an explanation as to what happened, you know, with the transport bus meeting the nuclear truck, you know, the nuclear waste truck. And that's kind of what happens. It creates a mushroom cloud and that's why they're kind of stuck in this realm of, of the ghost land. Um, But, yeah, for some reason, Bernice uh, has lost the ability to speak after being in the ghost land for an undisclosed amount of time. That's not going to stop Hero from getting her back to where she needs to get to. So it was just, you know, forget it. I'm going to put her on this cart. I'm going to get gas from my car from Ratman, who fucking is awesome. You know, this guy who just runs around and knows everything about tech. (laughs) I, lo- I so liked him cool. so much. He was like, you one of my favorite characters. <laughs> oh, I'm not a rat man just eat- <laughs> I know. It's like our little rocket raccoon, but it's a man, and he's called Rat Man, and he just runs around. He has all the stuff. He has gas. Um, so Bernice is wheeled out of Ghost Land. They all warn him not to go because if you try to leave, you're going to die, but he's got a mission. He's on it. So it's Yeah, also but also he's a fucking badass. Our- he didn't give a fuck what you say. <laughs> no. But it's also where you kind of get pervy Nick Cage when he's trying to, you know, take yep. all the pieces and get get it off, get it off, get it off. Oh, yeah, get it off. I'm like, oh, okay. We are getting pervy Rage Cage as he's peeling off the, <laughs> the, the pieces of, of the mannequin and then tipping her head back and pouring water in her mouth and getting so fucking turned on. I just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, what, what, what is this? Oh, but then yeah. we find out that's a mistake. Now, oh, don't get hot about that it's shit. Because guess what happens? It's a big yeah, The countdown starts. Because that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, with the, with the arms and stuff like that, the explosive army arms, like, if you get angry and you get mad, like, you could just back away and be like, all right, I'm just going to calm down. Like, you know, we're just, let's talk about this, and then it'll go away and it won't explode. But when he's horny, his dick won't start getting hard. It just keeps getting more erect. And that's why it's the first one to go. And when it goes and he lets out that fucking scream and just, oh, you know, just that, that scream that he can do so well. And then just pulling out the testicle and showing it to her before collapsing and passing out. Hey, check this out. Oh, the testicle is out. (laughs) Um, But then once that, once that happens, we do get our flashback to, uh, to Samurai Town, like the monkey was saying, where this robbery goes wrong where Psycho just goes off as being a psycho as he is, and it leads into a fight between Hero and Psycho because he just killed a kid, and that's not what Hero wanted. He just wanted the money and go, and that's when all the police show up, and there happens to be a showdown in the street between the police and Psycho. Psycho's ready to take them all out. He's ready to just blast his way out of there, and he doesn't care how many cops he kills. That's not really Hero's bag. He's not really there for it, so he just takes off. As soon as Psycho starts shooting, he runs, and that's the ultimate betrayal that Psycho feels. Like, you shouldn't have left me to, to, you know, be arrested and taken away by the police. But in the crosshairs is a young girl who gets shot in the thigh, and she is met by the governor who takes her away to his little town to become essentially a, a sex slave. And that little girl is Bernice, because she does have a scar on her thigh yeah. from where she was shot. So it's you. kind of weeds to <clears throat> It's just a uh, – weeds to a whole thing. Um <clears throat> To, to showing you the, the, the human side of Hero. Like that he's, he's, not, he's a badass, yeah. but he's not a fucking monster. Yeah. Uh, Dean, what were you saying? 
Oh, I was just making stupid commentary. Nothing of substance. <laughs> well, that's fine. Um, but, but but we do get Thank that. Thank you. And you know, and that's it's always good. Um, but that's also when Hero wakes up in the desert after having his testicle blown off. You know, and, and never going to put that back in. He's just going to leave that. Uh, you have <laughs> don't, a, don't put a, it back in. A tri- that's, that's a bad thing is going to happen. It's not, it's, it back. No, no, it's not. It's just not. <laughs> Um, but we do get uh, that, no, a transport shot. bus showing up. <laughs> yeah. But we do have the transport bus showing up with a bunch of mutants on, including one that looks like Freddy Krueger without his hat on and a pair of sunglasses. Um, and we don't know who that is, but he's showing up and, and watching it. So all the prisoners jump out and start attacking uh, Hero and quickly trying to say, don't fucking touch me, don't fucking touch me, until one of the explosives on his arm goes off and blows all the, the prisoners away and it lets them escape. Um, so it, it, it's cool to see the, the makeup and everything they did, but again, this is a weird editing because that happens, and then all of a sudden it's fucking nighttime, and Hero is standing with a bunch of people from the Ghostland and Bernice, and you get the backstory about what happened, about the transport truck and the nuclear truck and them colliding, and you know this is what happened, and this is kind of why we're here. But then it kind of cuts back, and we're with Bernice. And she's saying her name into the, the little box to earn him a couple extra days. So it's like weird editing. It's like all of a sudden they're there, then they're not. Like so, yeah, that's, that's the part that kind of that screwed me up when I watched it. I was like, cause where are we? Like, they, I feel like they should have yeah. done this all kind of uh, consecutively. Yeah, and this is where, uh, like, I agree with you as well, is because, again, it's like we're talking about, okay, um, we had the nuclear explosion, which wipes out the town, and this is why Ghostland is Ghostland, is because nuclear plant went, the rich people weren't willing to fix the water and the things that went wrong with it, and this this happens, you know, in the timeline while Nicolas Cage is being incarcerated, and meanwhile, Psycho has been transported. So, you know, we're talking about a time span of about 10 years, okay, because this is also, you know, again, right after the bank robbery, so we're talking about young girl. So I'm sitting there yeah. giving her about 10 years, so she's about 18 or whatever, you know. So, you know, we're talking about all of this happening in a quick 10-year time span, you know, kind of like renewable kind of stuff going on, but they're not willing to cover it up or fix the water that's going on out there. So the people that are stuck in Ghostland, yeah, they, they just want water, you know. <laughs> and yeah. that's where the prophecy yeah. comes in because – we Because Kate is – Yes, Nicolas Cage is the prophesied hero who will bring time back to the Ghostland and then clean water back to the children of Ghostland so that they can grow up and not, you know, hopefully become mutants and ghosts of what they see of the actual ghosts that are floating around in Ghostland. Yeah, it's one of those things, right? The the, the second time really kind of helped. Uh, clear up a lot of those things because I didn't get that the first time I watched it. The second time I did, um, but with her speaking her name into the the microphone, that gained him the extra couple of days that he's going to need to get Bernice back to the governor. But meanwhile, the governor's just hanging out with all his harem of, of girls. You know, they're laughing, yeah. having a good time, drinking sake. You know, and it's just the governor's just not really having it. He's not really feeling it because what he really wants is Bernice. Like that's the one granddaughter he wants, and if he can't have her. 
you know, he'll just have he'll have to get somebody else to kind of entertain him. And you know, that's when he, he calls upon you know, Susie Chan. Susie Chan, come over here and sit in grandfather's lap and she's like, No, I'm good. Uh, you've got a lot <laughs> yeah, of women around you. I mean <laughs> Yeah, Susie Chan lost her fucking shit. Susie yeah, Susie Chan is gone. Like she's fucking cracked. <laughs> Yeah, she she's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, he's cool with that, you know, because why? 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 Because he's going to bring America <laughs> to the air mouth. And he's going to fucking make it rain. Make it rain, America. <laughs> well, especially because, like, you know, he, he just wants to be happy. So that's what he does. Like, you know, bring America. And, you know, you have, you know, the guys coming in with bags of money. And just making it rain. He's like, make it rain, baby. Make it rain, baby. Like, you know, just like that's his entertainment, seeing these women, you know, get for the cash, you know. And meanwhile, you know, Susie Chan's just screaming and grabbing at the sides of her head, like, you stop this. And that's when the governor's like, you know, you have to get on board with what we're doing. You know, time is a fucking thing here. You know, tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. And she's like, tick-tock, you know, saying it back to him, like, you know, because this is important and time is an important thing. In this movie, you know, as, as we just discussed, yeah. so it's important with the government as well, you know, because he's on a fucking timeline, you know, to get Bernice back, and he knows that he knows out there somewhere. But um, Stella, one of the girls that escaped with with uh, Bernice and Nancy, she's captured. So she's captured and brought back to, you know, the samurai town, much to the light of the governor, who just can't wait to see her because Yasujiro is going to be the one to execute her. Now it's of note that Yasujiro's sister is one of the sex slaves in Ghostland. So he has to kind of be the bodyguard to the governor also while his sister is kind of indentured. What's that? Samurai Town. Samurai Town, that's right, sorry. But um, um, So, yeah, he's kind of conflicted. You know, one hand he wants to, to leave, but he just doesn't really know how. He just needs something to kind of, of do that. But in the meantime... He's going to have to do whatever the governor says. So Yasujiro takes a rose and he puts it in Stella's uh, collar right before taking a sword to her and ending her life, unfortunately. So can't escape from Samurai Town because <laughs> you're going to meet your yeah. end, especially if you're one of the governor's yeah. girls. And, and again, it's like, you know, uh, Ghostland, you know, shot on a very small set, you know. The actual ghost was shot on a very small set, and Samurai Town, you know, shot only on one street in Japan. But this one street they shoot it, it's fucking beautiful as fuck. You know, it's oh, they yeah. do With a the great job of just yeah, and they do a great job of it, sucking you in. You know, they've got the you know <clears throat> the perfect street, the, the the perfect gate going on the the perfect uh, cherry yeah. trees going on at the same time and like you said you know perfect cher- cherry trees all over the place with the blossom falling down and all that kind of stuff you know whoever did the you know did the shooting and picked the locations did a fucking awesome job all right but yeah you know like you said you know going around and he unfortunately has to do the duty of killing her and they do it you know smooth they do it clean you know and duty. yeah haha <laughs> You know, and they they yeah, do it without any gore, you know, which is again surprised surprised me because again we're talking about another you know X Y Z production, so I was expecting a little bit more, especially with scenes like this. 
but you know we don't right. you know they they try and keep it clean you know and yeah you you'll see zero you know starts to realize that maybe the he's never possibly going to be able to free his sister for what he's having to do for the government yeah it's, so it's, it's too much just, and it's yeah that's the way i took it too i think it's just you know it's too conflicted um and this is what he has to do. It's his job. So he's going to do it because he's, he's dedicated to his job and doing it right. Um, so once that happens, we cut back to the ghost land where Bernice has made her way back to ghost land and kind of ingratiated herself into all these people that are out there and, and still trying to make time stop. Um, but then when she realizes that, that he is alive, she's screaming at everybody that hero is alive and he's come back and, this is the the one scene where I personally uh, I'm still a little bit confused about, and I don't know if you guys kind of understood it maybe better than I did. But when you have Hero come back all wild eyed and and talking about the dreams that he had uh, about the people that harmed him, and then all of a sudden they're helping him, like I, I is that him saying that the ghosts got him up and then led him back to Ghostland? And I was kind of confused as to what he was trying to say. That, okay. This part, okay, I got, I got, okay, was because this is saying like the ghosts are what hinder you from between the realms of Ghostland and Samurai Town, okay, and okay. the ghosts are what stop you from being able to sit there and go from plane to plane, if you will, all right, because mm-hmm. you sit there and you can either be in Samurai Town or you can be in Ghostland, all right, and once you right. pass that ba- that barrier, that is the spinning sign, okay. That's the barrier. Right, right. You can't go past that either way. And mm-hmm. he sat there and got the premonition that the ghost of his past realized that he was not, tr- you know, they're trying to help him right the wrongs that he did. And they are going to sit there and point him in the right direction so that he and all other prisoners of Ghostland can cross that barrier and make it the same right town mm-hmm. and right the wrongs of the town. Thank you, Monkey, because okay. I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. Yeah, I was so lost with that because I mean, I felt like he he was going somewhere with it, but I just couldn't quite figure it out. Like I watched that scene a couple times, and he's great in it with his wild eyes, you know, and you get all these cool kind of visuals. But I just I couldn't quite understand. It. I got with the sign, like what you're saying with like the flipping around sign. I figured that was like the the, the portal. Like once you go past that right. point, you're in Ghostland. Like that's that's how they because the girl's car goes past it in the beginning. Uh, Hero's car goes past it when he goes in, so I figured that was like the the threshold. Like once you go past the same right. sign, you're you're in it. And Hero realizes that he is the prophesized hero to help Ghostland and to get them there to sit there and start a rebellion against against the shit that's going on in Samurai Town. And then we have our kick-ass montage going on. Okay, of the you know he get grabs Ratman. He's like, look, I want you to sit there and pimp every fucking ride that is fucking here. I want you to put fucking lights on everything. I want you to sit there and get gas going on everything. You know, and we're never going to fucking use it, but we're going to have a fucking montage of you fucking sit there gassing up everything, fixing everything, and lighting everything the fuck up. Are we going to sit there and have a massive raid on the town? No. But we sit there and have to have this fucking montage because it's never going to be fucking used. But we... You're the motherfucker that's going to do it, right? Yeah, man. Not, <laughs> I'm not a vermin. Yeah, that's right, my motherfucker. You are not a vermin, but you're going to sit there and pimp this fucking shit out. All right. And it's then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And it would have been great if there had been a raid of just all these, this huge-ass fucking brightly colored caravan coming yeah. into Samurai Town. You know, just everyone coming in. You know, unfortunately, this movie did not do that. I don't know why they did not have the extra five minutes because that's all it would have taken to sit there and show the scene that I just described. You know, but we did not have that scene. But still, okay, you know, we have that going on. And they decide they're going to sit there and try and cross over and go and right the wrongs of Samurai Town. And that's when things are blocked, you know, by the actual ghosts, you know, that are there, you know. And excuse me and those ghosts are the ghosts you know we find out are the ghosts from the shipment you know of that were going and ran into the thing and had a huge ass teenage juniors and turtles you know <laughs> bad bad um incident going on and they they turn super super radioactive and he finds out it's his motherfucking psycho that's been running this well, yeah, entire I mean, yeah, fucking, I mean, the entire time I mean, and we'll go back to that because you're kind of getting a little bit farther ahead. Um, but okay. I did want to talk about, you know, his, his speech a little bit because when he returns, they, oh, yeah. they herald him as the hero that saved, um, you know, that saved Bernice. So like you said, they, they're heralding him as this big hero. But when he climbs that tap, the, the, sta- the stairs to the clock, and he just goes, you know, all right, listen up. You know, I've come back. This is what we're going to do. We're going to get out of here because I didn't get my testicles blown off for nothing. So all you bitches are going to listen to me now, you know, kind of taking charge. And that's when he gets with the rat man. But following that, which we get montages, like the monkey had said of them building up to this. And again, I don't know why I wasn't in there. It was a whole big uh, lead up to, to nothing, um, not to nothing. Cause it still ended really well, but we get this scene of uh, Yasujiro at the samurai town drinking sake by himself. And there is a drunken man, walking the streets and just harassing the women, harassing Sergito's sister and just being, you know, belligerent. So he's not having any of it. So he climbs down with his sword and we get this. He didn't climb down. He fucking jumps. He fucking jumps down, man. He didn't climb down. He fucking like straight up jumps down. Yeah. (laughs) One of my favorite scenes of the movie. And we get some cool samurai action. Yeah, we get this great fucking samurai sword fight. Where you have all these guys against, you know, against him, and he's just whipping them around with his sword and taking care of them. You know, the one guy's head ends up in the, the, the lantern light, and you see that blood shoot up, and I was like, okay, I, you know, not a lot of gore in this movie, but I like that. Yasujiro doing that, because it just shows him that. But it's, it's a random thing, but it's just, again, it's showing you that Yasujiro is kind of just done with being in this place. Like, you know, anything yeah. could just help him get out of this place. He'd be happy with it, but he just doesn't know how. So, again, cutting to what Monkey was just saying about the transport bus uh, that has been around in this movie with all these ghosts, we find out that Psycho uh, is one of these ghosts. And it's, he's a, got a mutated face. I loved it. Great makeup work. But it's just the fact that he's so excited to see his friend. Like, when he recognized that it's Psycho, yeah. it's Psycho. <laughs> I don't know if I would go running happily over to my friend that I just fucking left for the police. <laughs> I would probably be a little hesitant to be like, hey, psycho. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> how's, how's jail been yeah, for but, you? You know, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I also took it as, you know, with all this going on, you know, Hero had been locked 10 years. 
Like that's oh, how yeah. I took it. Was Hero Hero yeah. had been locked up for ten years, you know, and Samurai Town, and the fact to see anybody that you would have at, at one time called a friend, come on, in ten years you would have been fucking rushing to him, you know. So, you know, I, I took that as just a cute, cute, fun moment, you know. Oh, oh my God, Psycho, how the fuck have you been, motherfucker? And he's like, well, kind of dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, just kind of, kind of fucked up. Um, but how have you been, motherfucker? You know. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. Sorry, I'm kind of fucking dead. You know, and as you can see, that I was on that transport bus because my face is all fucked up. He's like, you know, and you fucking abandoned me. So again, he didn't forget. Ten years later, he's dead, and he still hasn't forgotten that. Like you, you betrayed me, dude. Like, but you know what? You're the guy that's gonna make things happen. You're the one that's going to take down the governor, and you're going to restore Samurai Town to what it needs to be. So you can fucking leave. Just go. You know, we'll let you leave. And, you know, just outstretches his arms so they can pass. Like, they're not going to be blocked by, by the ghosts, which was, again, a cool sequence. Again, this, Nick Cassavetes, I can't say it enough. He was great as Psycho, and the makeup was amazing. And just to, to kind of see that mushroom cloud go up after you see that they've been given access to go back to Samurai Town. I just, it was great. Visually, this movie is just beautiful. Like in so many ways, it's just oh, such yeah. a great picture. To look yeah, at. yeah. Again, you know, it's just like like I was saying at the beginning of the episode, it's just each of the episodes is just beautifully shot. You know, tiny little sets, but at the same time, it like it sucks you in. It really does. Yeah, and the fact that again we have Bernice and Hero making their way back into Samurai Town with a hero wearing a football helmet that's been cracked. Like, that's his only protection for his dome, is this uh, football helmet, which I just kind of liked. Um, and, yeah, you never see Batman again, really. You never see any of the time. Yeah. And you also see, uh, we also see hero with his football helmet, but also his uh, um, army, <laughs> excuse me, uh, evil dead two hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I was glad that you brought that up, because I thought the same thing when he's, like, tightening it. I was like, well, he didn't lose his hand. He just lost, like, the mobility of it. So, yeah, now he just has, like, an Ash Evil Dead armor on it that he can tighten up, and eventually he gets a, a sword shoved into it. So he has a weapon. <laughs> you know, and I, I just I love it when they make their way back into to the town, and the governor is so happy. So he's like, oh, my God, Bernice, like, you know, you're back and everything like that. And obviously she's changed. She doesn't want to be there anymore. So it becomes one of those things where, Okay, she's back. Give me the fucking key. And he's like, I ain't giving you shit. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. So it's giving me one of these things where he's really going to have to fight to get that key back. You know, then he, he kind of playfully takes Bernice hostage. She's not going to hurt her by any means, but he has to look like he's going to kill her. So, you know, he grabs a knife and he's like, I'll fucking do it, man. Fucking do it. Like, you know, just, get, just back up. Give me the key and we'll be okay. But for some reason, Susie Chong gets the great fucking idea to go get that minigun that's just sitting there and just go <laughs> off on people. Gee, like, fucking all goes, of a sudden, it's, it's not a it's, it's not a fucking minigun, dude. It, that that is a fucking Gatling gun. That is a straight up, you know, we're not talking about it like a a submachine gun. It's a straight up fucking Gatling gun, you know, <laughs> like Pope post-Civil War fucking Gatling gun and it's fucking beautiful. She fucking mows down fucking, you know, all of the fucking sheriffs, his fucking deputies, everything, everybody 
in fucking Samurai Town that was going around dressed up like a fucking Wild Wild West, carrying a fucking revolver. She mowed all of those motherfuckers down. <laughs> yeah, she, and she was screaming while she's doing it and gunning all, all the sheriffs down and all the cowboys that we saw before, like the, the weird, like, uh, non-Japanese cowboy that just likes to play ball with the kid, like, kicking around. He could speak perfect Japanese. Like, I wanted more of that guy because he looks like he had a great time. He just wanted to hang out. <laughs> he didn't. He wasn't an angry guy, you know. But uh, yeah, we, we see him getting mowed down. Um, and uh, Susie Chong gets shot a couple times, but manages to to survive pretty well, despite being shot in the chest a couple times. I don't know if I would be the same way. I think I probably be collapsed and passed out. But Susie Chong goes on. <laughs> uh, uh, I've been shot. God, I really need a taco. Oh, my God, I'm dying. I, I really need a taco. You know, we should really patch you up right now, King. No, but a taco would be really fucking good right now, motherfucker. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably going to bleed out a little bit, but that taco is going to be so hit. I, I can't wait to get in my mouth. I'm, 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 you know, uh, you're dying. Well, I'm dying for a taco. So why don't you go fetch one? I can, you know, I can use a taco to stop the blood until we get to a hospital. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm pretty sure that Samurai Town has probably got a Taco Bell or something around here. I mean, they got everything. <laughs> <laughs> but, but after the minigun attack and Susie Chong getting shot and, and kind of, like I said, making it, we have the, the governor running off and a huge fight ensues. Again, this, like, that little fight before with Sasha Jiro, it's a great, this one's a great set piece because everybody gets in on the action. <laughs> where, where Bernice grabs a samurai sword and she's fighting. Then you have Nicolas Cage just kicking on everybody. He ends up getting his arm stuck into one of the guys, pulls it out, and he's got a sword now. So he's got a nice little sword yeah. on, the end of his, uh, on the end of his hand. So now he can just take bitches out, and he will. You know, for some reason... <laughs> The explosives aren't going off, even though he's, like, excitedly beating up on people and getting really angry about it. He, you know, he's still good. Um, but, you know, they, that was troubling for me. I was like, well, he's, obviously he's not happy. Like, he's probably angry, and no censors are supposed to know when he's angry. But, no, not this time. You know, it's the fight. So, uh, or, right? or he's so fucked hmm. up and twisted that the thing is the censors don't understand that he's happy that he's going around killing people. Oh, that could be so it, too. So, therefore, yeah. that's, that's why... That's a good idea. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, here's where we have to think of it. And here's where we have to think of Like you said, okay, we have sensors. He's going around. All right. And then we have Hero versus Zero. And they, they sit there and actually have a traditional samurai duel where they both oh, have an understanding yeah. and they both put their swords down. All right, and they both sheet their swords, if you will, all right, and have a traditional draw. And this is showing the, you know, the true gentlemanship and true samurai Yoshi Zero is. Uh, I'm not going to sit there and, you know, cut you down in the middle of a fight. We're going to sit there and have a true draw. You know, and they both have an understanding. They both understand. Yeah. And, yeah, just. You know, unfortunately, uh, Yoshihiro yeah. loses the draw. <laughs> yeah, he does. Oh. You know, but it, he loses the draw to, because obviously, Hero can't put his sword down. Like he can't sheath it like Yasujiro can because it's attached to his his, uh, 
his contraption on his arm. Um, but yeah, I just I love the mutual respect. Like we know we're probably going to end up killing each other, but you know, let's just kind of have a mutual respect thing where we just take a second and then we go into it. And then it's just this great back and forth while everything is going on around them. Yasujiro and Hiro are fighting. And the best part is that they get to a point of the fight where they both punch each other in the dick, and then you get a bell dinging for each shot. And you're like, okay, totally what's happening now? Yeah, like you get a bell ding for each cock shot, and then you have Hero backing up and just going, fuck! <laughs> and just a weird break in the fight. <laughs> Because they both yes, stopped that at that was point, good. and Yasujiro just looks at him, and he looks at him, and he says, fuck! Like, it just, I, I, just, I thought it was such a great kind of a comedic break in the fight, you know, to, uh, between them. And then we cut to the governor, who is kind of trying to find uh, a safe place, and he's going to go try to find his, his quote-unquote granddaughters. But instead, they're fucking over him, man. Like, they're like, whatever. I thought there was going to be a statue of you in this town. You got nothing. You're useless. And he's like, what? what? Oh, you, come on. Come on. You're, come on you're, you're broke. You don't even have any money as they're running away with all this money. <laughs> yeah, and they're all wearing cowboy hats and carrying rifles and guns, you know, that they got because of the fight. Oh, I, I, just, I just thought it was so great um, that they did that because it shows that the governor really is just a piece of shit with a wimp, you know, compared to the hero. Um, but during the Yasujiro and Hiro fight, Yasujiro is not as good of a swordsman as he'd like to think he is because he falls to Hiro. He gets sliced in the abdomen, and that's the end of, of Yasujiro. You know, dying a very respectable death. You know, he, he fought to the death and he lost. But, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like Yasujiro would probably be respected for that. Like, he, he took him uh, out properly, yeah. and, and that's it. And this is one of the things I had a problem with this movie was Yasujiro shouldn't have, like, in my opinion, fallen to hero. It's like there should have been something where it's like, you know, there should have been some kind of draw because to add to the story of Yoshijiro was only there to because of his sister. You know, and there should, there should have been yeah. some kind of draw between the two of them and then a mutual understanding of I don't want to kill you and I don't want to kill you. I'm you know, and then Yoshijiro actually fucking actually saying a fucking word, you know, and just being like, I just want to save my sister. And then Hiro yeah, letting yeah. him go so that he can save his sister. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really don't think, like, while the duel was awesome, I, I don't think it should have ended that way. I think there should have been a little bit more, yeah. you know, a couple more minutes of, you know, sword on sword, and then no, no gay shit intended. Um, fuck you, ghoul. Um, but then a mutual understanding of he wasn't there for a hero, he was there for his sister, and they're gone. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have been better, you know, like I said, I, I still liked it. I didn't like the fact that Yashijiro died because I did like him as a character. Um, but you did I have that too. lingering shot. I'm sorry, what? I said I did too. Yeah. Um, I just I, I like the fact that they have a lingering shot of Hero looking down at, at uh, Yasujiro's body. Like I really wish I didn't have to kill you. Like I wish it didn't happen this way, you know. And there could have been another way because you know he's the one that drove out in the car and he's like, just take it. Like there was a, a respect there. Um, take that telephone. Have... <laughs> but we have the the governor running at, after all the women leave him and he's like, Susie John, Susie 
Chan, like looking for this girl because he just wants her. And eventually he finds her, and they struggle a little bit, and she rips the key off that goes to the suit that Hero is wearing. And that's when Bernice shows up, and she's like, all right, motherfucker, this is it. I got a gun, and I'm taking it down. And she's a little bit shaky, but at the same time, this is a guy that she's wanted to kill for a very long time. But the governor stands his ground a little bit, and he's like, what, you don't think I can get somebody else? Like, you don't think there's another girl that I could get just to be in your place? Like, you know, you're special, but you're not that special. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you never see the governor put up a fight. He doesn't have guns. He doesn't have a sword, but he has his fucking mouth, and he runs it. And that's what leads to him being shot to death by Bernice. And it's a great scene. <laughs> he, she wastes that entire fucking clip. <laughs> yeah, Firing and, and, and like around. Loomis, and, and like Loomis in Halloween 2, she fires seven shots. <laughs> Out of her six shooter. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too, and I was like, okay, I guess this is a world where that kind of gun exists. And then Daddy Woman shows up with his bodysuit on, going, hello. I see you like to shoot people too, seven times. That makes Daddy Woman very horny. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That great, but... <laughs> Dad, Daddy Woman like to seven shooter. <laughs> <laughs> But so after the governor is defeated, we start seeing Ratman and everybody start to fucking celebrate. It's fucking party time. You know, we could actually go back to Samurai Town and live there. You know, we don't have to live out in the desert anymore. And Enoch can't believe it. I love the fact that Enoch has this whole fucking thing where he's being carried around in a room. Like he's got this whole, like, well, diorama he, set up he's, where they he, carry him he's around. Carried in, he's carried in a shadow box library. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a diorama, but you're right. Shadowbox is bad. But yeah, uh, with that yeah. being said, the clock <laughs> like is destroyed. Le- elementary school shoebox <laughs> project. Yeah, yeah. That's what I said. I was like a diorama, <laughs> you know. But Shadowbox is better. But either way, the the clock is finally destroyed, and we get to see this relief go over everybody. Like you know, this this is going to be a new era for us. So everything is destroyed. We're going to go back and turn back Samurai Town and what it should be, and then you just get this shot of a hero with Susie Chan and still alive, even though she was shot multiple times. She's like Michael Myers in this one. Um, but see, they're all kind of <laughs> dealing with it the next day, where it's like everybody's kind of happy and everybody's doing their own thing. Um, they do bring up the thing that we didn't mention of the blue butterfly, where they say in the ghost land, if you see the blue butterfly, it means death. And that's what hero sees when they're sitting on the bench. You know, but it might not mean death anymore. It might mean hope. You know, who knows? I mean, because this is a, a new day for everybody, you know, in this town. And they do the, the classic third act. Yes, and, of course, they do the classic third act uh, hero walk where they're all walking together. Uh, hero gives them a flask, so they each take a sip out of it. Um, you yeah. know, and as they walk away, they to greet a new day, and we go in the credits, which is all gumballs, which I thought was a fun choice. Um, you know, that ends the movie with these big fucking gumballs that I couldn't imagine anybody enjoying, but that little kid did, and he lost his life for it. But, uh, yeah, that was Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Um, I really enjoyed it. I did. I, I still think it's I don't think it's the best Nicolas Cage movie of this year, and I don't think it is the wildest movie that he's done, because I know that's on the poster. No. Like a quote from Nicolas Cage saying, this is the wildest movie I've ever made. I strongly disagree, because I think Mandy might be the wildest movie that he's ever made. Like, I think there's a strong argument for Mandy. Uh, yeah. What, for this year or period? 
No, he's saying this is the wildest movie I've ever made. Like, that's on the poster. Like, it's a direct quote from him. See, and that's why I say I disagree, because I think Mandy's a lot more crazy and a lot more wild okay. than uh, this one. Yeah. See, because I'm in the same camp with you, but not Mandy. I'm going to say the wildest fucking movie he made was Drive Angry. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would say that that's pretty fucking wild. Um, on a whole other level. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're different <laughs> levels of wild, as you could say. I mean, they're both incredibly entertaining movies. I do love Drive Angry. I think Mandy's a better movie uh, than Drive Angry, but I still love Drive Angry. Then, of course, there's always the other XYZ movie he did, Mom and Dad, where I think he's fucking wild in that movie. So I don't know. I, I think well, that's just fine. That, that, but, it's an, but that movie's not wild. That movie's just fun. It's like, you know, that it's a, yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't call that one wild. It's just, it's just, it, it's, it's weird and kooky, but I wouldn't call it wild, you know, because we're talking about suburban parents versus Mandy and versus, you know, drive angry. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that there, there is a great argument. If you're going to say, which is the more wild movie, uh, is it Drive Angry or is it Mandy? I think, like I said, they're just they're wild on different degrees. Like Drive yeah. Angry is a straight up grindhouse, wild, fun, drive through a hell type of movie, and then Mandy's more yeah, of like is. the manic LSD <laughs> trip, where it just grabs you from the beginning and doesn't let you go. So I think both arguments can be made that they're both wild, just on different levels, and there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, Prisoners, I don't think it, it competes with either of those movies, Drive Angry or uh, no. Mandy. It's a fun one. No, I mean, I recommend it. If, if you guys out there like Nicolas Cage and you like to see him be a little bit Rage Cage but not full on like he was in Mandy or Drive Angry, uh, this might be the one. I like the fact that they melded Japanese culture and West in Wild West. Uh, they had some great samurai sword fights, which is always fun to see. Um, you know, so it, it, it's got a lot, but... It's just uh, really abstract and kind of confusing at points. I mean, that was the only downside for me is that, you know, it, it, it did get kind of convoluted in parts where it's like you had to rewind it and go, okay, I think I get it, and then move on. Um, but that was okay. Prisoners of the Ghost. Okay, while, yeah. but while all of us said if you sit there and watch anime and are used to the anime mindset, okay, then – things might be a little bit more comfortable for you because you understand the kookiness of what's going on in the Asian mindset. Okay. So if you watch anime, you know, and all that kind of stuff and read manga, don't be discouraged to check out this movie because you're going to sit there and be perfectly comfortable with the odd little things that are going on in the background. You'll be cool. Enjoy the movie. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think there's something in this movie for everybody, you know, what, whatever your yum is, nobody's going to yuck it. You're going to find something that you like in, in oh, Prisoners yeah. of the Ghost Land. <clears throat> yeah. You know, yeah. Um, this movie you definitely know, touches on everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. So moving on from being Prisoners of the Ghost Land, the ghoul is going to come back next week with his film pick of the week. So we're not in this Ghost Land anymore, but we're in a different one. So he wants to go back to what? 2018's Incident in a Ghost Land. Uh, directed by Pascal Laugier, and you can find it on Netflix if you want to watch along with us at home. So Incident in a Ghostland, uh, it's about a mother who inherits a house with her two daughters, and on the first night, murderous intruders break in. 
I don't know Yay. how it's going to involve Ghostland stuff, but we who knows? You know, we'll we'll get there. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll get there. So yeah, next week, 2018's Incident in the Ghostland. <laughs> it's the ghouls pick. Uh, this definitely seems more horror related. I've only seen it once, and it's on a pack of movies that you get at Walmart for like five bucks, and it's got like ten movies on it. This was definitely one of those movies. So. Uh, I will definitely have to find that DVD and break it out and, and, and watch. So stay tuned for that. So thank you so much, Monkey, for the pick. I had fun with it. I'm glad you had a little fun with it as well. The dean had to drop off, uh, but he'll be back next week. Yeah. Actually, no, he won't be back next week, as he announced. So we're going to be deanless yeah, next week, but we do will have the ghoul back. So we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to another ghost land next week. All right, so go ahead and sign yourself off, yeah. Monkey. Oh, I thanks for listening to tonight's uh, Halloween Hangover episode. We hope you had a good time. And thank you for listening. Good night, everybody. Mwah. And as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, thanking you so much for listening Woo-hoo. to this episode of the show. As always, Halloween, it might be over, but for us, the horror fans, the Halloween fans, the October fans, Halloween never really ends. It doesn't have to. There's nothing stopping you from eating little mini-sized candies and watching Halloween movies and keeping your jack-o'-lanterns up. I keep mine up all year round. The monkey can attest to it. My apartment is always decorated for Halloween because it's my favorite holiday. Hell yeah. Not? I'm an adult who has my own apartment. I can do whatever I want with it. So don't be afraid to do it. And if people question you, just say, fuck it. I don't care. Like, you know, just be yourself and, and do what you do. So hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous, keep America strong, watch horror movies. We're back next week with Incident in the Ghostland. <laughs>